Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. This is Greeny. Mike Greenberg is out today. We are on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus, presented by Progressive Insurance with all guests appearing on the Goodyear Hotline. I'm Amber Wilson. He's Joe Fortenbaugh. We are filling in for Greeny. If you're just joining us, Greeny had tweeted out that he did test positive for COVID-19. He's doing absolutely fine. The family's fine. You could send him your well wishes at ESPN Greeny. You could also tweet to us at Joe Fortenbaugh at Amber W790. So Joe and I are holding out the fort here for Greeny for the next couple days. And there's a lot to catch up on from an NFL Sunday, a wild one, a one that saw the Arizona Cardinals who came into their matchup with the Dallas Cowboys colder than cold beat the Cowboys to confuse us all in evaluating that team. The Cardinals beat the Cowboys 25 to 22. I mean, the Cardinals actually led most of that game. It was a pretty dominant performance the majority of the game. Then the Cowboys, they opened up the playbook, Joe, in the fourth. You had Tony Pollard take a shot down the field, over 30 yards, successful trickery. I thought at that point that the game was changing for the Cowboys, and I thought, okay, here's here's where the comeback happens. Arizona's able to hang on. Kyler Murray, 26 for 38, 263 yards, a couple touchdowns. Dak ended up 24 for 38, 200 126 yards, three touchdowns. But at times, Dallas had a really hard time finding that offensive rhythm, which frankly is a story we have seen before, Joe, time and again this season. Well, it's not as if they, oh, wait, they have invested hundreds of millions of dollars into that offense and they're not getting the return on the investment that they had envisioned. That's an issue because Dak Prescott is no longer on that rookie deal. So Dak Prescott is now being held to a higher standard. Got to play better. Amari Cooper was acquired for number one pick. He costs a lot of money. When he is on the field, you got to get more from him. C.D. Lamb, on and on down the list. The money they pay Ezekiel Elliott and what they get out of Ezekiel Elliott, that's turning into one of the worst contracts in the NFL. It absolutely is. And right now you have a Dallas Cowboys team that has plenty of potential, that has plenty of talent on both sides of the ball, but they're right back where they started. A team that's good, but won't meet the expectations. Imagine being Jerry Jones right now. Imagine being in a situation where you've spent this much money and coming into the year, the big concerns were twofold. Your head coach and his ability to make crucial decisions in high leverage spots. And number two, your defense. The defense has been much better. The Dan Quinn hiring has been a fantastic acquisition. Micah Parsons, not only a great draft pick, but Dallas traded back to get him. If you remember on draft day, Philadelphia wanted to leapfrog the Giants so they could draft wide receiver Devontae Smith out of Alabama. They knew the Giants wanted him. They traded with Dallas. Dallas moved back and got Micah Parsons, who's going to go on to win Defensive Rookie of the Year and possibly Defensive Player of the Year. That's everything you could have hoped for. But again, it comes down to your head coach. And Mike McCarthy yesterday, in the crucial situations, couldn't raise his game to the level this team needed him to. And I don't think he's capable of doing that because he makes the same mistakes week in and week out. We are all flawed. None of us are perfect. But the best we can hope for is that when we make a mistake, we learn from it and we come back stronger. And McCarthy continues to find himself in these situations when he doesn't know how to deploy timeouts. He got bamboozled by Cliff Kingsbury. Yesterday, Amber, of all people, it wasn't Belichick. It wasn't Mike Vrabel. It was Cliff Kingsbury who kept his team on the field in the third quarter, made it look like they were going to go for it on fourth down near the end zone. McCarthy's caught out of position. He doesn't realize it. He thought they were going to just assume that they were going to kick the field. Well, as a result, he burns a timeout 
As soon as he burns the timeout, Kingsbury trots out the field goal unit. He forces McCarthy to waste the timeout, and everyone moves on thinking it doesn't matter. Until the end of the game when Arizona fumbled, the refs ruled the running back down. He wasn't down, and had the Cowboys been able to challenge, they would have gotten the ball back and had a chance to win. But they didn't. The coach's job is to put the players in a position to win games. McCarthy routinely puts his players in a position to lose games, and that's why Dallas is where they are right now. Good, but not great. Poor Cliff, still taking shrapnel as we're being critical of Mike McCarthy here coming off of yesterday's Cardinals win over the Dallas Cowboys. This is Green, Amber Wilson, Joe Fortenbaugh filling in for the guys. So here was the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, Mike McCarthy, in his post-game press conference. Well, I think the biggest thing is, you know, we just had an excellent opportunity to, to get to 12-4 and four and really felt that doing a number of good things coming into it. Just like anything in the game, you, you evaluate everything, you have game plans for everything, and we're well aware of the things we need to work on and what our statistics show as far as in the area of officiating. Uh, this this crew is, is um, weekly, you know, high, high in officiating numbers, and so uh, we just, you know, tried to really illustrate that all week. And But, I, you know, I think the timing of our of our penalties uh, f- for us personally was, was something that was uh, – you know, challenge for us to overcome. That's such a lousy response because he says we're aware of the problems and what we need to work on. No, you are not. You don't call the offense. You don't call the defense. The only thing you need to work on is the timeouts and the game management. And routinely, you fail in that department. Sorry to well, jump he in did on admit, that. he admitted that they had a lousy response, right? So, I mean, does it make you feel better that he's recognizing it after the game where essentially he had the faux pas there? No, because the problem with Dallas is that they're 11 and 5 and winning is the great deodorant that covers up the stink of your issues. I think that's what's happening in Green Bay too. Right now Green Bay sits atop the conference, they're 13 and 3. They're not addressing their special teams and their special teams are a mess. But because they're winning games, they don't think it's that big of a problem. Dallas at 11 and 5 can just chalk this one up and move on because they've already earned a playoff spot, but it's not solving the underlying issue which is the coaching. A coach who does not understand how to make the critical decisions in the high leverage spots. It happens every single week. And mark my words, if they get into the playoffs and don't get blown out, it's going to be a decision like that that's going to burn them down the stretch. In the playoffs, you have a very small margin for error. All right, Dallas, it's fine beating up on Washington and the Giants and the rest of that crap division. But the reality is when you go up against the best, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, what the Rams are doing right now, you can't make the key mistakes in those spots. You have a small margin for error. Ultimately, like with Bill Belichick, a lot of times he says it's not so much about being better than the other team. It's just making fewer mistakes. Just don't take yourself out of the game. And that's what McCarthy routinely does. He takes the Cowboys out of the game. I can't believe the broadcast didn't focus more attention on Kingsbury getting them for that timeout. They mentioned it, but it ended up being the decision late in the game that hurt the Cowboys. Those are the things you can't do against playoff teams of which Arizona is one. The Rams certainly make their own mistakes. We'll get into that later in the show. Greeny is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average. Call or click today. But it does feel like to me, Joe, to that point, that we can be critical of all of these good teams. I mean, when we had Jeff Saturday on earlier, you said, I mean, even uh, even the best teams in the conferences, uh, we can easily find some weaknesses there, which that's any NFL season, right? Like nobody's perfect, but it feels even more so this NFL season where frankly, it's hard to evaluate who's good I mean the Cowboys can sit there and win 11 games and we can still question them game in and game out but I feel like we've been questioning Mike McCarthy since before the season began and realistically Dallas you know they've already won the East yes they're in an easy division there but they're going to walk into these playoffs if they end up not necessarily winning a Super Bowl but anything short of that 
Is there something they can do in these playoffs other than win a Super Bowl? Well, you will relax a little on the Mike McCarthy criticism, or is it Super Bowl or bust for you? Absolutely. No, it's not Super Bowl or bust because to, to go to Green Bay and win, to take out some of the other teams in the NFC, that's a tall order. All right. That's a really tall order. Dallas has been good this year. If they get into a game where they play, if it's, let's say it's like this, if they go out in the playoffs, the way Kansas City went out in Cincinnati yesterday, that's fine. That's fine. Andy Reid should have let the Bengals score at the end of that game because he should have put the game in the hands of his best offensive player, which is Patrick Mahomes. Reed chose to let the defense make the decision, and the defense couldn't win the game for him. He should have turned it over to the $500 million man, Patrick Mahomes. But that's all right. It's Andy Reid. You make a mistake here and there. He wanted to leave it on the defense. You lose like that, it's not the end of the world. But if you go down because you didn't manage the game properly, because you didn't have a challenge left, you didn't have a timeout left, you were burning your timeouts at the wrong moment, those are the same mistakes you're making over and over again. That's unacceptable. You can lose big games because everybody loses big games. And if you lose it by playing well and the other team just gets you by one more play it's not the end of the world it happens but McCarthy's problem has been evident for quite some time and he's not doing anything to fix it and that's what's got to be infuriating because this isn't the amateurs all right this isn't a backyard game this is a highly paid professional whose job is to win football games and when you take your team out of position to win the game through decisions that are poor that are minus EV as we say in the gambling world and that you've done time and time again the inability to assess the problem and then correct it, how can you be the guy for the future, right? How can they turn this organization over to you year after year after year trying to win a Super Bowl when you've shown you are incapable of correcting your biggest individual mistake? Try the $45 Silver Unlimited plan from Straight Talk Wireless. Joe bringing the Straight Talk here. Very fired up about the Cowboys today. With nationwide 5G on America's best networks, Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. 5G-capable device required. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. So a lot to unpack from an NFL Sunday. We mentioned the Rams. The Rams won, but I will discuss with Joe how concerned should we be about Matthew Stanley. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Joe Fortenbaugh filling in for Mike Greenberg. Greeny, the podcast. It's demon time on Prize Picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100, 100 times your money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at Prize Picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stats types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app go to prizepicks.com slash greenberg and use code greenberg for a first deposit match up to 100 that's prizepicks.com slash greenberg code greenberg for a first deposit match up to 100 prize picks pick more pick less it's that easy passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for and with ebay guaranteed fit your part is guaranteed to fit your 
ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Takes a snap. Rolls right. Hitches. Throws. Caught front pylon. Touchdown LA! Odell Beckham Jr. gives the Rams their first lead with 57 seconds remaining in Week 17. It wasn't pretty, but it was a wild one. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus, and the ESPN app. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Amber Wilson and Joe Fortenbaugh filling in for Mike Greenberg. All callers join us on the Dr. Pepper hotline. one 888 say espn That's one 888 So you heard it there. A wild one to the finish in that Rams-Ravens game. The Ravens, they led well into the fourth. That depleted Ravens team. No Lamar Jackson. Tyler Huntley was under center for the Ravens. But Stafford and the Rams, they started waking up in the fourth with one minute left. They went for it on fourth down. They got the first. Then they get the touchdown. They don't make the two-point conversion. It was 2019 Rams with 57 seconds left. Huntley had no time. He gets absolutely trucked. Then he tries for a hook and ladder miracle. I mean, there was just no time for Huntley to really be able to get anything done. The Ravens played really tough through a lot of adversity, but they have now lost five in a row. The Rams have won five in a row. But it's hard, Joe, to evaluate Matthew Matthew Stafford and that Rams team because, you know, death, taxes, Matthew Stafford interceptions. And we saw more of that in yesterday's game. Yes, Stafford and the Rams, they woke up when it mattered most. And listen, they got the dub. Like, it may have been ugly, but they got the dub, right? But 309 yards, a couple touchdowns, multiple interceptions, like I mentioned. Do you believe in Matthew Stafford and the Los Angeles Rams? Not right now. Not right now, and I want to. This is coming from someone that picked them to win the the Super Bowl before the year started. So I want to believe that that is going to come true. But I'm watching them week in and week out, and I'm just, I'm I'm iffy. Because if you are not the number one seed, you need to win four games to win the Super Bowl. I know that's relatively elementary, but think about that for a second. Matthew Stafford playing against the best of the best four weeks in a row. Can you trust him to play mistake-free or largely mistake-free football four games in a row in the playoffs. And I think what he's showing us is that that's not capable. They're a team that has the capability of doing it. They've got a good head coach in Sean McVay. The defense, while not the number one unit like last year, is still good enough to compete at a very high level. The offense has all the weapons it needs. But Stafford is making too many mistakes. Over the last eight weeks of the season, he has 13 turnovers, 11 of which are interceptions. You point to yesterday's game against Baltimore, the Ravens ranked dead last in the NFL in pass defense. Dead last they have been terrible defending the past this season all right a large part of that is due to the extraordinary amount of injuries they have sustained in the secondary for Baltimore it's just not their year too many injuries that'll happen from time to time you chalk it up still a well-run organization still a good head coach still a quarterback with a very bright future but for the Rams to watch how Stafford has played two INTs and you're trailing for the majority of that game against Baltimore they've got the potential 
But ultimately, the question comes down to whether or not Stafford can piece it together for four games in a row against high-level competition, and I don't think he can. Is there any player who's been in the league for Stafford's been in the league for, what, 13 years at this point? Is there any player who's been in the league for well over a decade who we question more than Matthew Stafford? Because we still don't have answers. Even watching him in a Los Angeles uniform, he's definitely an upgrade over Goff, right? But is he an upgrade enough where you believe that Rams team can not only get to a Super Bowl, but win a Super Bowl with the inconsistencies it's really, really hard to evaluate. There are times that that dude looks unbelievable out there, and then there's times where he's so off, and it's so squarely on his shoulders, like just just so much inconsistency, and the throws are off target, and so it's really, really hard to know what you've got in that Rams team. A Rams team that I think is a very good team, but when we're talking about them, we're talking about them whether they're a Super Bowl contending team, right? Not just are they good. Like Everyone thinks that Rams team's good, but can they actually win a Super Bowl? Exactly. Like, we're not going to talk about them like Philadelphia because Philadelphia is a little bit of an upstart. No one's looking at Philly saying you should compete for a Super Bowl. Everyone's looking at Philly saying they've gotten better throughout the course of the season. Jalen Hurts continues to improve. Maybe they get into the playoffs and make a little bit of noise. Maybe. But no one's going to dog Philly if they get into the playoffs and lose in the opening round. That's not the case for the Rams. It's a lot of veterans. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of experience. And it's very high expectations. And the way they played that first game of the year when they absolutely blasted the Bears on Sunday night, you thought to yourself, this team's got it. And they have shown it. And to your point, Amber, on Matthew Stafford, I think it's because we've seen so many brilliant games, so many big-time throws. We want to believe. I mean, at his core, he's a very good guy. Gives back to his community, is a team leader, never in trouble, never causing any issues, right? He's one of those guys that you're just sitting there thinking, well, it was probably Detroit, like what Detroit did to Barry Sanders, like what Detroit did to Calvin Johnson. Now that this guy's got a fresh start, we wanted to root for him. We want to see him take that next step. We want to see him win. But every time you want to get fully behind it, there's a performance like in the days of Detroit, that makes you scratch your head as to whether or not he can put it together for four consecutive games in the playoffs. I mean, how would we be talking about the Rams today if they had lost yesterday and lost last week against Minnesota? Because they should have lost both those games. He was terrible against the Vikings. The Vikings just couldn't cash in. They gave the game right back to the Rams. And as for yesterday, the Ravens led the entire way. Baltimore should have won that game. Imagine what the storylines would be today if the Rams had dropped those two games. We can still maybe blame Detroit in this because maybe Stafford just isn't used to being on a good team, right? Like he's just not been on a good team long enough. He's not used to being on a good team. He feels the need to still throw those interceptions every once in a while. He looks around and he's like, oh my God, things are too well run here. I can't understand it. Exactly. Uh, Real quick, because we're up against the clock, but I want to get your very quick opinion here on this Ravens team. They've been decimated for weeks. Obviously, no Lamar in this game. Tyler Huntley was available, 20 for 32, 197 yards and an interception. Uh, What do you make? I mean, technically, they're still on the bubble. What do you make of this Ravens team? It's just not their year. This happens to a handful of teams every single year. Everything breaks against you. A lot of things that are outside your control. Injuries to the secondary. Injuries to Lamar Jackson. Injuries everywhere. I mean, before the season started, they lost, what, their first 15 starting running backs to injury back in the preseason? It's just not their year. It's unfortunate because they're a very compelling team. They're a well-run organization. They've got a good head coach. And when you see them play... Lamar Jackson is just so dynamic. He always makes for a great storyline during the playoff hunt and in the playoffs. It's just such a great matchup. But with all the injuries and everything that's broken against them this year, it's just not their year. You have to shake it off and move on. No reason to get too down on the Ravens. The injuries have absolutely derailed any chances they've had.
Lamar Jackson still on that rookie contract. The rare NFL star who represents himself uh, has no agent. That'll be an interesting situation to evaluate moving forward. I'm sure in the offseason that we're going to end up talking about that situation quite a yeah. bit. Greeny, the podcast. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antscape presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun. Now streaming on Hulu. Head to Hilliard, he's got room! 30, 20, 10, 5, in zone! Oh, John Trell! Touchdown, Titans! Okay, exclamation point! How good is this field? This is Greeny on ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus, the ESPN app, and you can tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. All guests appear on the Goodyear Hotline. I'm Amber Wilson. He's Joe Fortenbaugh. We have been hanging out with you, filling in for Greeny all day. A wild one in the NFL. We've been unpacking everything we can about an action-packed NFL Sunday that saw 15 games played yesterday. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. The Miami Dolphins, the Tennessee Titans, the Dolphins went up to Tennessee on a hot streak, seven wins in a row, and then it ended there in Tennessee. And we realized that some of those wins were against losing teams, and there may have been a reason that those wins came as easily as they did at times for my Miami Dolphins. The Titans, on the other hand, dominating in this game, 34-3. That game was never closed. Tannehill got his revenge, Joe, on his former team. It was easy work for him he ended up 13 for 18 120 yards a couple touchdowns Tennessee will be the bye team and what's interesting for me in evaluating this Titans team if if they were fully healthy all season for me no doubt Super Bowl contending team right we can have that conversation but Having watched Tannehill in Miami for as long as I did, I am acutely aware that Tannehill is one of those quarterbacks. He looks great if the right pieces are around him. He needs some help. He particularly needs some help in that backfield. He's not the type of quarterback who's going to be able to get it done with a bunch of pieces missing. I was surprised that they fared as well as they have without Derrick Henry. There's been points of this season where he's missing Brown, where he's missing Julio Jones. I mean, this team has been decimated by injuries all season long. And of course, COVID protocols, and that's been the story for everybody this season, but obviously missing Henry. I don't know if now he's coming back for the playoffs. I don't actually have an update on that. That seems insane to me that that's ever been a possibility, but nevertheless, the Titans now in a position with the bye. Do you believe in this Tennessee team? I do if the right pieces, like you said, are around Ryan Tannehill because you saw a dramatic, dramatic plummet in offensive production when Derrick Henry went down. Entering yesterday's game, 
through the first eight games of the season with Derrick Henry healthy and on the field, the Titans were averaging 28 points per game. Henry then got hurt. Over the next seven games, the Titans averaged just 18 points per game. They dropped off by 10 points. Now, Julio Jones was banged up as well. So was A.J. Brown. It's understandable, but they're not the same offense. They are a rare, old-school throwback team that is going to lean heavily on an elite running back to open up the rest of the field for the passing attack. And when Henry went down, you saw what happened to the team. Tanhill's not necessarily the guy to carry the team into the playoffs, but he is good enough with the pieces around him to get you in and possibly get you a few wins. As we saw a few years ago when they made it to the AFC Championship game against Kansas City. A note on the Dolphins here in that defeat yesterday. Not all situations are created equal. You look at the game, you look at the box score, and you say Miami got blown out. They finally stepped up in class. Everything they've been doing the last few weeks was predicated solely on lousy competition. But remember something. Miami was off a Monday night road game at New Orleans. That was a six-day turnaround to get ready for a road game at Tennessee, who had 10 days to prepare for that game because they beat up on the San Francisco 49ers on the previous Thursday night. So in that situation, there's a reason why here in Vegas, a lot of gamblers were looking at Tennessee in that game. Advantageous situation. Great spot to be in against Miami, and they took full advantage of it. So while it's easy to bag on Miami today, and and there should be some criticism of Miami, because it's one thing to lose that game, but if you're a true playoff contender, you're not going to go get smoked and hang three points against a Tennessee defense that is right around average at best. But for Tennessee, yeah, you're going to need Derrick Henry back. You're going to need a healthy offense if you want to make some noise. I would say this, Amber, at 11-5 and and currently the number one seed in the AFC, how come we don't talk about Mike Vrabel more for coach of the year? Today, all the talk is about Zach. Taylor from Cincinnati winning coach of the year. He's currently your favorite in Vegas to win the award. How is it that we don't mention Vrabel based on what he's done this year, given all the adversity they've had to face? I think maybe just because Vrabel's coaching a team that we already knew was going to be a contender coming into the season. I think that that's the difference there in the narrative between those two coaches, frankly. But you're right. He should be part of that conversation, frankly, particularly with all this adversity that they face. I have been really impressed by what that Titans team has been able to do and what that team has been able to overcome. They're the better team. They're the better team than the Miami Dolphins. You're right, though. It's a tall ask for the Dolphins to come in off of a short shortened week and then also it's a tall ask for any team in the NFL to win eight games in a row and the Dolphins deserve a lot of criticism for having put themselves in that position when you start the season one and seven you're putting yourself in a very 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 difficult situation at the end of the season trying to make the playoffs if they had one out they would have controlled their destiny but winning out is obviously a huge huge ask and that's the situation that the Dolphins found themselves in Tua Tagovailoa, though, I mean, it was a week ago on the show that we were having a conversation. Is he the guy? And now people are really high on Tua coming off of that seven-game win streak. And now, all of a sudden, 24 hours later after this game kicks off, we're having a conversation, or at least Twitter is having a conversation, about Deshaun Watson again because Watson's trending, which these guys are always going to be linked and connected. Watson's always going to be a conversation in Miami until Watson ends up on a roster elsewhere or or I guess maybe with the Dolphins, which is starting to feel more likely again. Tua yesterday, 18 for 38, 205 yards, an interception. Can we make anything off of his performance yesterday, Joe? If we're only looking at yesterday's game, then it's easy to sit there and say, well, he's not the guy. You got to go get Watson or somebody else. This is the Tua we remember. But if you look at the big picture macro version, you realize that this is a young quarterback who from last year to this year has taken a couple steps forward. 
All right. He has shown some improvement and that's got to be encouraging if you're in Miami. But the biggest problem for the Dolphins is the fact, and this is the biggest problem for Tua as well, is that he's in the same draft class as Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. And Burrow's being talked about as an MVP candidate right now. And Herbert has been nailed since the day he took over for the Chargers. I mean, that dude has an arm that could reach across the Atlantic Ocean. It's incredible watching him play. And when you're in the same draft class as two guys like that who are just balling, not playing well, but balling out, you're going to be compared to them. And everyone's going to ask whether or not you're the guy because you can't do what they can do. Comparison is the thief of joy. Isn't that what Teddy Roosevelt said, right? So if we get too caught up looking at Burrow and Herbert, it's easy to knock Tua. But if he has taken a step forward from year one to year two, if you believe he's processing information faster, if he's got a better handle of the playbook, if he's got a better handle of leadership, how to be a pro, how to make big plays in key spots, if he's taking that step, then yeah, go ahead and ride with him in the next year. Because there is a reason you drafted him in the top five. So there's no reason to pull the plug. We just get spoiled because we see a handful, small handful of guys over the course of a decade who come out of college and immediately take the league by storm. And because the other guys at the same position aren't doing that, we downgrade them. What we should do is focus more on building up the Joe Burrows and the Herberts because what they're doing isn't normal. It's extraordinary. But it's the expectation in today's yeah. NFL. And having seen them done it, you know it's possible. And so that is where the expectation sits, whether fair or not, for rookie quarterbacks when they come into the league. I mean, you mentioned Joe Burrow, part of that MVP conversation this season. Herbert was part of that conversation last season. What they've been able to do is phenomenal. It's maybe not entirely fair to Tua. Uh, I mean, the Dolphins couldn't have even drafted Burrow if they wanted to. They didn't end up with that right. number one pick. They weren't bad enough, frankly. I mean, they were in a position. They were in 10 wins that season. They were in a position, again, to make the playoffs at the end. And then, of course, coughed it up. That's the story of the Miami Dolphins. But they could have drafted Justin Herbert. So forever that comparison is going to be made. That's an unfortunate one for Tua. But then add to that conversation Deshaun Watson and the Deshaun Watson factor. And now we're talking about a proven NFL quarterback who most people would have considered a top five quarterback in the league when he was playing and also a very young quarterback. Watson's what? Still 26? Maybe he's 27 now. The off the field stuff is really difficult. But Joe, if I just ask you, is Watson better than Tua? 100%. The answer to that question is yes, right? I was so, actually thinking about not answering you because I just figured I'd let it hang there for people to say, wait a minute, is he actually going to say Tua? No, I would not say Tua. No, of course. Watson, the answer 100%. is Deshaun Watson. It's emphatically Deshaun Watson. And so I guess from a football perspective, again, we know the difficulties there with the legal issues and the heinous allegations there against Deshaun Watson. Just speaking from a pure football perspective, if you do have the opportunity to go for the much better proven quarterback, that would be the reason to move on from Tua. And that's the difficulty for Tua is this has been hanging over his head for so long. I think if Deshaun Watson wasn't out there, yes, we'll be talking about the Justin Herbert faux pas in terms of their drafting, but at the same time, the conversation's so much louder because of this Deshaun Watson story that frankly will not go away. So let's talk quickly about a team that's worse than my Miami Dolphins so that I can feel a little bit better about things. Let's talk about the New York Giants. Joe Judge has felt the need many times Joe, to go on uh, rampages to the media, just defending his position. A first-time head coach, it's got to be difficult. He's in a difficult market. There's a lot of noise, and it's a team that plays nationally. There's a lot of noise, of course, about that position, about that coaching staff, about that front office. There's going to be that kind of noise when you are the New York Giants. Let me give you a snippet here. Here was Joe Judge, the head coach of the New York Giants, in his post-game presser after losing to the Chicago Bears. The, the toughest thing to change in a team, the toughest thing to change in a club is the way people think. 
You understand that? That's the toughest thing. You can get new players. You can get out in your damn locker room all you want. You got to change how people think. And you got to change how they, how they believe in what you're doing. And they got to trust the process. And that's a lot easier said than done when they're looking up right now and you got one game left and the most games you're going to win is five this season. Okay? But I guarantee you this. Those men are going to walk in on Wednesday and be ready to roll. We're going to practice hard on Wednesday. We're going to practice hard on Thursday. We're going to practice hard on Friday. Okay? And we're going to play for each other on the, on the field next week. And if we don't play well, every fan has a right to boo my ass out of the stadium. Got that? Well, they're going to anyways, whether – he grants them his permission or not. This is New yeah, York New that we're York. talking about. Uh, the Bears, they beat the Giants 29-3. No one cares. Uh, no one, frankly, was very concerned about that game. It didn't have the playoff implications. But this is a Giants team that has already come out, Joe, and they've made the decision that Joe Judge is going to stay in place along with Daniel Jones. And I'm not – I was one that wasn't shocked by that decision do you think that this is Joe Judge just succumbing to too much pressure here? Is he helping himself with these press conferences? What do you make of this version of Joe Judge? I think it's a once proud organization that has lost its way. And I think it starts at the top with the ownership group and then it trickles all the way down. I think that's what it is. I think the New York Giants were one of the elite franchises in the NFL from the way they were owned, managed, run, from the way they played on Sundays. You could always bank on Big Blue, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Like, even when the Giants weren't contending at the highest level for Super Bowls, you always had a defense, a running game, an identity. Something to be proud of as a Giants fan. And it's tough for me to say that because I'm an Eagles fan. But I grew up right in between the two cities, and I know what it's like for those who root for Big Blue. I know what it's like for those who are Giants fans. The organization has lost its way. And Judge is just a part of it, but it goes all the way to the top with the ownership group. This team continues to get worse. That's the biggest indictment of Judge. He hasn't shown any sort of growth. He hasn't shown any sort of progress. Since they got lucky with that fluke win over the Eagles back on November 28th, listen to what's happened. Six straight losses. They lost by 11 to Miami. They followed that up with a 16-point loss to the Chargers. Then it was a 15-point loss to the Cowboys. Then a 24-point loss to Philadelphia. And then a 26-point loss to the Chicago Bears, who might be the only team in the entire NFL who's had a coaching staff and a front office under more fire than the Giants. Jaguars don't count. We knew that was doomed from the beginning. But this team continues to get worse. It's one thing to struggle. It's one thing to be bad. But for Joe Judge in year two to be getting worse, for his organization to look like they don't even compete right now, what do the Giants do well? Like, that's what I would ask you. Under Joe Judge, what's been the progress? Under Joe Judge, what do the Giants do well? Do they draft well? Do they sign free agents well? Well, that's have they not developed his job, a quarterback though, position? I mean, what we can it? have a conversation. It's not his job, arguably, right? Like, I think we all think Gettleman's done after this season. Toast. With Joe Judge, what's funny to me, though, about your positioning here, because I was one that thought, okay, that they bring in Joe Judge, he hasn't had a ton of time. If they're not going to get rid of Jones, and then don't forget, obviously, the injuries here to Daniel Jones, and that affects this as well. It's not like Joe uh, Judge has had a starter the whole time or even had a starter in against Chicago yesterday. Nevertheless, uh, what is amusing me, though, so I wasn't surprised that they decided to stick with Judge and Jones, even though they're going to move on from their front office. I I think, though, that one could point out the irony, Joe, in your position a bit when it comes to this, because you just said stick with Tua for the Dolphins. When we had these quarterback conversations, you said, you know, you can't evaluate a quarterback in only a couple years. Can you evaluate a head coach? I mean, it's only Joe Judge's second year. Why aren't we giving coaches more time? 
I would say that with Tua, we've seen progress from year one to year two. And with Judge, we've either seen more of the same or we've seen regression. That would be the, the difference. I think Tua has gotten a little bit better this year. And if you want to stick with that for a third year, I could completely understand. I could completely understand. With Judge, he looks like a man who's not in control. And I don't know what the Giants do well. And they're getting worse and worse and worse down the stretch. If you want to ride with him for another year, that's fine. But for the Giants, they're not organizationally aligned. The ownership group has to find a guy who can lead the team, who can lead the front office. That guy has to go out and find a head coach. And those two have to work together to bring in the quarterback. But when you already have the quarterback and then the coach comes in and he has to take over with that quarterback, like with Nagy and Chicago and Mitchell Trubisky, I mean, are you invested in that guy's success? If he fails, are you now going to try to position yourself to get your quarterback in there, which would then make the front office look bad because they drafted the previous guy? There's too much at play there. It gets messy. Everyone has to be organizationally aligned. Everyone has to be invested in everyone else's success. And if you have that, you have a chance to grow. You have a chance to have a well-run organization. But in New York, who's invested in who? Is Judge invested in Gettleman? Is the guy that takes over for Gettleman going to be invested in Judge? Who's invested in Daniel Jones? It doesn't look like anyone's on the same page. And that ultimately is why you watch this team get blown out week after week by teams like the Bears for crying out loud. Well, we will find out if trying to maintain some sense of stability, which seems to be what they're doing by maintaining Judge and Daniel Jones, is going to work out for them. I think we will know next season. Join host Gotham Shopper as he explores what Tom Brady has meant to football and to the world and Man in the Arena, a new podcast from ESPN Plus and Religion of Sports. A companion piece to Gotham's ESPN Plus docuseries, this 10-part podcast examines the improbable ripple effects of Brady's career, things that have forced us to rethink everything we thought we knew about time, hatred, perfection, even fate. The podcast is brought to you by State Farm, ZipRecruiter, and Rocket Mortgage. Listen and follow Man in the Arena now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and stream the docuseries on ESPN+. Week 17's not over, Joe. We have a Monday night matchup tonight against the Browns and the Steelers. For the Steelers, there are some playoff implications here, right? Technically, they're still alive. Uh, nevertheless, I don't know if either of these teams are particularly interesting, except for 18-year starter Ben Roethlisberger. This could be the last time that we see this at Heinz Field. For some reason, Big Ben won't give us the definitive, like, he's done. He keeps alluding to it, but he won't just tell us. What is that about, Joe? Why won't football players just tell us when they're done? I think he doesn't it. want to take away. He doesn't want to become the story. He is the story, but he doesn't want to make it on his own terms. If he says he's done, then everyone's talking about him rather than talking about the team or the game. And I think he understands oh, that on. the focus needs to be on the field and on the game. I mean, it's, it doesn't need to be. All we're doing is talking about Ben Roethlisberger. This matchup with the Browns is not particularly interesting. By the way, this Monday night football preview is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. So the Steelers have scored 20 points or fewer in four of their last five games it's been ugly for this Steelers team if it's not if he doesn't want to say it we all know it the most interesting component of this game frankly is that this is the final stretch here for Big Ben look at the point spread in this game Pittsburgh was a three and a half point underdog yesterday and the second that Cleveland got eliminated from playoff contention the line moved five and a half points to Pittsburgh minus two and a half that tells you everything you need to know the betters the professionals do not believe that Cleveland is going to show up for this game Big Ben's last home game Big Ben on Monday night Steelers should be able to get the job done here Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.